The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. I am Emily Swallow, also known as the Armorer on The Mandalorian. And I'm just giving a little shout out to the Secrets of Star Wars podcast because this is the way. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, episode 81. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember... The Force will be with you, always. Hey everyone, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter, a.k.a. Father Fett, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Of course, just a quick reminder that you can get your own official Secrets of Star Wars t-shirt that encapsulates our philosophy of finding hope in a galaxy far, far away. They are super cool and are kind of showing up all sorts of places. Um, My mom is very much active with this in in, uh, in Wyoming. Uh, So that's pretty cool. So you can get your own t-shirt and it's available in various styles and sizes at sqpn.com slash merch. And, of course, we also have a cool, fun way to join the StarQuest fan club, and you can text the word StarQuest to 66866. That's text StarQuest, all one word, to 66866, and that will add you to our fan club mailing list. So this is our email newsletter, and there's some really cool things and a really cool story that came out in that recently. So uh, you don't want to miss the newsletter because there's really some cool things that are coming out in that. Also, of course, just share the the podcast on your favorite social media so that way we can uh, get heard by more people who would be interested in in hearing what we talk about and leave us a uh, review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and let us know how we're doing because that also gets us seen by more people. Today we are discussing the eighth episode of The Bad Batch, and this one is titled Reunion. And joining me tonight on the panel is Angela Cialana. Howdy, everybody. Hello, hello. And it is just the two of us this evening. So we are going to just jump right into it. Uh, I felt like this was, I mean, we are episode eight now, eight of 16. So I I feel like we've kind of hit the top of the roller coaster and we're kind mm. of uh, heading down uh, the descent, the, the quick pace descent. But uh, I'll let you uh, give your impressions first, of course. What did you think of, of this episode? Oh my gosh. When I finished this episode, I was on cloud nine. I was <laughs> so happy. Um, my husband was watching with me. And as soon as the, you know, new to this series character, but mm-hmm. not new to Star Wars came on screen, I, well, as we were, pan, you know, kind of <laughs> panning up, you know, to his face, I just knew and I was like, I I was so excited. He's one of my favorite characters. So um, even though Omega has been kidnapped, I am like so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I didn't even consider those two emotions juxtaposed to each other. Um, Do you recall, was Cad Bane ever rumored to be in this show? So 
We had talked about Cad Bane possibly being on The Mandalorian originally when um, the character in the boots kind of came up to um, Fennec, who was wounded in the desert. And um, people were like, oh, my gosh, what is it, Cad Bane? That was my hope and my dream, although I didn't, you know, I I, I didn't put all my eggs in that basket. But... um, People are have been hoping ever since then that he would have an appearance. And um, it makes sense, actually, and we can maybe talk about this later, but it makes sense that they may try to incorporate Cad Bane more into the lore that is being developed right now because mm-hmm. of the Mandalorian and because of Boba and Jango and, and the clones in general. So, um, yeah, but we can talk more about that later. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's super interesting. I, I will point out if you Google the, the book of Boba Fett, there's a poster floating out there right now that Cad Bane is featured pretty prominently on it. And I, and I yeah. couldn't for the life of me figure it out if, if that was an official Lucasfilm poster or if mm. it was, and I, and I'm pretty sure it's somewhat official cause I've seen it all over the place. So, I I think that there's a there's a strong possibility that we might see a live action Cad Bane in the book of Boba Fett. So um, and I will be a happy camper <laughs> at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that that's that's awesome. Yeah, but I guess besides Cad Bane, you know, and all mm-hmm. that, um, the episode itself was I thought really fantastic. The digital sets mm-hmm. uh, were even though we were you know, geographically in a very small area, relatively, right? Um, It it was all so interesting to look at. And it was, um, you know, I was just kind of in awe at how much the art department, the animators really put into creating these sets um, so that we could kind of see almost like the clones past life in a way, you know, like going on this, this whole, you know, cruiser. Um, And yeah, I thought that juxtaposition was really interesting too, because they're kind of trying to figure out where they fit in now. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's very much their old life. Do they go back to that? Do they try to like, you know, relive some of that as soldiers or are they this new thing now? So that was really interesting as well. Um, So Mm -hmm. overall, yes, I am very excited. We're at that midpoint and I just feel like we're going to pick up all this momentum (laughs) as we keep going. Uh, Yes, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. This this sort of picks up um, as you were talking. Um, I just was remembering just uh, I guess it was just the previous episode, Battle Scars, and that whole idea that the the and I and I I never framed it in this way in my head before, but the whole idea that the planet is sort of a is a metaphorical reflection on what's going on inside the, the clones, yeah. but also the between the relationship between Crosshair and and the the rest of the the squad. You know, mm-hmm. there's this, there's this division there, um, which on, on one hand, uh, I, I mean, this is how they've set it up. And of course, uh, we're, we're all hoping that Crosshair gets rescued. My one sort of, uh, critique and, and it, it but it's, it's, I don't even know if I would consider it a critique. It wasn't as emotionally charged as I thought maybe it could be. And the only reason that I say that is, is because we know that Crosshair is not doing this out of his own free will. Mm. So, you know, the, the, the episode is called reunion. So, you know, Crosshair and the squad 
have that reunion um, happen within the episode. But it's less of a, you know, you were my friend and you betrayed me and more of a, you know, Crosshair, you don't know what you're doing and, and we want to rescue you. And so, you know, we're all on board with that. But but it's just a different I guess it's a different emotional space than like, you know, if you have a friend who you were super close with that has gone down a different road, you know, and, and so the, the the squad isn't dealing with that kind of an emotion, but um, they are dealing with just wanting to to rescue their friend. So, um, you know, and, 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 but it fits the story. I mean, that's, that's what they're doing and they're focusing on the inhibitor chips and, and that's, that's all, that's all good. Um, I just think emotionally dealing with betrayal is a little bit stronger of a, of a theme than, than what they're doing, but not, not bad or wrong or anything, just that's the story. Um, but I also agree that I think, I mean, this is kind of where we're, I, I think the next eight episodes are going to be like maybe not sprint kind of pace, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, this is, this is kind of the, the, I, I don't even know if I want to consider it a climax. I saw parallels to the Mandalorian season two and I, and I, we've pointed these out before and I, and I think there, there's something to be said here of just, you know, the storytelling is similar. You know, I remember uh, at the end of season two when Grogu gets captured we have the same sort of thing that, that that then leads into the climactic conclusion of, of season two. And here we have Omega captured at episode eight out of 16, you know, so, so where the next eight episodes are going to go, we don't really know, but um, there's uh, I I think it's going to, it's, it's, there's more of a impetus leading the, the plot now, instead of just, we need money. And so what's the next job? It's, you know, Omega uh, rescuing Omega is going to be next on next on the list. So, oh, and then just a couple other points Uh, you know, this episode, we also finally figure out the mysterious identity of the client who was pl- paying for the bounty on Omega mm-hmm. and um, the reunion with Crosshair and Cad Bane were kind of the, the big, the big three, if you will. So we'll, uh, we'll discuss that more as we get into the recap. So we'll, We'll kind of just get on, get on with that. Cool. So the, the episode starts off with, uh, with us back on Camino and Admiral Rampart, uh, is informed that Clone Force 99 is on Bracca and sends Crosser out with a squad to terminate them. And we can see that, um, oh, I'm blanking on Lamasu, the, the, um, the Kaminoan, who's the 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 one in charge, you can tell he's nervous about that. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't say anything to Admiral Rampart, but you can tell that he's he's definitely paying attention. Is Lamasu the one in charge, or is that Nalase? I always get them mixed up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I would have to Google that. I hmm. great question. <laughs> I know it's. Lama Sue and Nalase, but... Lama Sue is, is the male, and he's, is, okay, yep, the male. he's the one. Got it. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, and he mentions the phrase contingency plan, mm-hmm. which to me, you know, I'm wondering, is that... Because I know, you know, we've had this dialogue in the past episodes about how they need to, the Kaminoans need to kind of bounce back and have their contingency plan because the empire now is not going to be wanting more clones created. So what are they going to do right in order Mm -hmm. to survive basically? Um, 
But I'm also wondering, you know, now that 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 phrase has been brought up, it's like, what is their contingency plan? Because we know it has something to do with Omega, yep. but what is it, right? So that was very tantalizing. Yeah, and and I and it just, this episode just sets up all those questions uh, because we've talked about and they've mentioned the whole idea of Django's genetic material degrading, mm-hmm. and and if if Omega is still a result of Django's genetic material as one of the, the altered clones. Yeah. It it raises the question is, is she somehow going to be the source for new genetic material or, you know, there's all these, I guess, subtle hints too of, of the, the um, talents and the skills that Omega has, you know, whether she's, whether she's force sensitive or not, we still don't really know. And and all of that, I think, is tied up in this whole idea that that obviously there's something unique about Omega and what what is it and who is she and what does the Kaminoans want or how I guess how do they want to use her to what is their contingency plan? <laughs> As you said, that's that's the question. Yeah. And we don't even know if Omega knows what right. is particularly special about her. Mm-hmm. All that we know really is that, I mean, she knows a lot. And mm-hmm. because she was she was in the, the the medical wing, so she knew about the inhibitor chips, and she knows that she doesn't have one. So right. even that is a is a another aspect of her that is just interesting. And and you know what's it mean? And I don't know. This this is this is good storytelling because this keeps yeah, you coming back like for for more answers. Django Fett has a daughter, and Boba <laughs> has a sister. Right? Things we never thought we would see. <sighs> Oh, and this, I didn't even think about it. And, and of course, you know, she, she never shows up in the movies, of course, but, but she could show up and say the book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Because she would be, I mean, basically maybe a couple years younger than Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Ooh. That's, that's a fun then thought. I, I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't considered that. Cause I, I think I, in my, in my, my own mental image of this, I keep, making these series as sort of sort of self-contained things. Mm-hmm. And I sort of forget right. that we're in this realm of storytelling where they have that ability to, to connect them. And yeah. that, okay, that's, that's kind of exciting. So maybe, <laughs> maybe a live action Cad Bane and a live action Omega is, is coming yeah, our way. It's possible. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, uh, back to, back to Bracca. That's, uh, where the, the, the squad is. They and and I and I love these scenes. The the scenes between Wrecker and Omega. So this is this is the scene where where Wrecker is teaching Omega how to disassemble a thermal detonator and is being the tough teacher and yet not really putting her in danger by by making it a, a smoke bomb instead of an actual uh, thermal detonator. Yeah, and we maybe get a hint as to why Wrecker's half of his face is kind of like injured <laughs> yeah because yeah. he says that he he didn't he say he failed yep. his yep. his first test <laughs> when he was training for this so yeah um <laughs> i love i love the the i guess i would call it a sibling relationship there. Mm-hmm. there there's very clearly wrecker is the older brother trying to show the younger his younger sister you know well, really what he loves, which is, which is explosives and teaching her, teaching her all the ins and outs of it. So I, 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 yeah, th- those kind of relationships portrayed are, are really, really good to see. Yeah. And you know, um, one of the things that I loved about this scene 
re-watching it was that I realized that they were kind of setting up that idea of like Wrecker is saying, um, oh, you, you didn't think that I would let you, you know, train or practice or whatever with a live explosive, right? Like, I'm not mm-hmm. crazy. He says that. And <laughs> yep. then later at the very end, basically, you know, we have Crosshair putting mm-hmm. them in danger and Omega's like, Crosshair wouldn't do that, would yeah. he? Right? So yeah. it's it's kind of like setting up that idea of, you know, family doesn't do that kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? So it kind of makes that whole idea of, oh my gosh, this he's actually doing this to them. He has, he's actually going to incinerate them, yep. right? That is a, that is a great uh, parallel to, to make. Um, because I, I had noted that in my notes too, that Omega responded very um, sadly that, to, to mm-hmm. point out that, that Crosshair was going to actually put them in, in danger. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that, that isn't what uh, family and, and unauthentic love would, would do. Um, so they uh, finish their their uh, dismantling of the the smoke bomb, and they head back to the Jedi cruiser. But they are ambushed by some scrappers, and they so Echo makes the case that they need to they need to leave Braca because Rex warned them about these scrappers, and this wasn't going to be good. And Hunter, being the <laughs> the leader and the dad. I mean, still recognizes that that they need to get out of out of um, debt with Sid. And so rather than just leaving, he sees the opportunity to to scavenge just a little bit of the weapons to clear the debt with Sid and even maybe make Sid sort of be in their debt. And so rather than just leave the planet, they decide to to get some get some weapons and uh, he sends tech off to respond restore power to the cruiser and get intel from the bridge which also could be sold for 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 money and you know um before we get into like the nitty-gritty of that i just wanted to know how it says a lot about echo that he stayed with clone force 99 um even though he obviously i think i I think over the last couple of episodes he said this twice like we're soldiers like Mm -hmm we belong in battle right and and hunter has gotten this idea right um that there there's something different now right obviously especially with omega and their squad um but you know echo seems like he's he misses rex you know it was cool to see rex you know he was always with rex before and you know now Rex is doing something else and he's in another fight and echoes like we're soldiers. Shouldn't we be with them? Mm -hmm. Right. So I thought it was interesting that he expressed that feeling, but also says a lot about him that he has shown his loyalty to this crew, this clone force that he has stayed with them, that Mm -hmm. they are kind of a family unit. Um, And so, yeah, I just, I found that really interesting and I'm curious to see how that kind of character development will continue as the episodes go on. Yeah. Um, That's a, that's a good point. Uh, It, I mean, it just follows with the, with the themes that we've been talking about, but family in particular Mm -hmm. and, you know, the, the clones, um, well, 
the the bad batchers minus echo they all if you want to call them blood blood relatives you you could mm-hmm. because they're all the 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 genetically altered clones where echo is a reg who just is then brought into this group right and and so that just that raises the whole idea that that family is more than just blood mm. and and we see that with echo and and we experience that in our own lives too. I mean, you know, we uh, we have our our blood family, but then we have you know the friends and the the people around us that we consider family. And you know, and especially um, if you look at it through through the Catholic lens, I mean, the body of Christ. You know, we are all part of the same Christian family, and and the loyalty that we have to to each other and to to Christ is what unites us. And and we see that. We see that echoed in a some in some way with Echo, you know, mm-hmm. he's he's sharing that as as part of the family. And even though maybe he wanted or would have preferred to go off with Rex, he he did choose to to stay uh, with with Clone Force 99. And so they, you know, and, and yeah, and follow Hunter's lead. And, you know, he's he's right. the he's the he's the dad of the of the group. <laughs> Happy Father's Day um, <laughs> to Hunter, so to speak. <laughs> Um, so they, they go off to find, they all go off to find weapons and, uh, Wrecker is of course quickly becoming my favorite. Uh, (laughs) you know, he finds all the, the proton torpedoes and I just put in my notes, he falls in love, you know, (laughs) he kisses it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, he's, yeah, he's (laughs) just. He is who he is. He's he's really cool. Um, I think between him and Tech, this episode, I was like, both of them were the comic relief. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when Wrecker's trying to get that Scrapper Guild member and he's like, I've got this under control and Tech <laughs> hears that and he's like, that's not comforting. <laughs> you know? Yep. So, yeah. Well, but then even later on, um, when they're, I think it's when they're in the Ion engine. Uh, tech starts to to start to say like the the statistics or how, what how hot this can the withstand specs. yeah the specs <laughs> yeah. and Wrecker's just like nobody cares keep going <laughs> keep walking <laughs> and but again that that echoes that theme that like that's exactly how like me and my brother would would relate to one right. another it's like Greg no just <laughs> nobody cares <laughs> you know I guess I would I would do that with when he goes off into star trek his he can can talk about star trek the way tech can talk about a republic cruiser (laughs) you know but but similar he would he would do the same thing to me because that's just that's a a sibling relationship which is um really really fun and and you know rooted in love but it's it's very (laughs) uh yeah tongue-in-cheek uh to each other and so uh at this point um Omega heads up to the bridge to join Tech. Um, actually, before that, no, this was the point where Echo talks to Hunter about that, about uh, the fact that uh, he would have preferred, I think, to follow Rex. Mm-hmm. And Hunter makes the point that they're on they're on a different path than Rex, and and yeah, Echo is 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 following that. But I did at that point actually kind of wonder. So we 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 assume we don't really know yet, but we sort of assume that Rex is going off to start to build the rebellion, if you will, um, mm-hmm. kind of be that grassroots kind of movement. And and I just put in my notes. I said, you know, I don't know. Will the bad bad batch ultimately end up joining him and helping the rebellion? And 
that's not a question of course that we can answer right now but um it's it's an interesting thing to think about i guess if you mm-hmm. if you follow rex's or uh sorry if we if you follow echo's sort of inclination is is it would be yes but hunter uh might have some different priorities so we'll see and when omega and tech are on the bridge the proximity proximity alarm goes off and of course that's when uh crosshair and the empire arrives but that's also then we have a, a, a scene there on Camino, and that's where we finally learn that Lama Sue is the one who ordered the bounty hunters to capture Omega and return her to Camino. And so I wanted to to just stop on this for just a minute. I know that we had discussed a number of possibilities of who that would be. Was this a surprise to you? No, I I actually, it was an automatic assumption in mm-hmm. my mind that it was the Kaminoans. Um, the one question that I have, though, um, in this particular situation, this particular scene, is with uh, Nala Say, that she kind of looks like... Um, I think Lama Sue says, you know, as long as they bring back the female, you know, clone um, alive, then that we don't have to worry about anything else. And Nalise kind of looks like she kind of tilts her head and her eyes almost look concerned. Like, I almost wondered, does she also want Clone Force 99 back alive as well? And does she have some other investment in them that we don't know about? Um, Because we've kind of have seen her help them. Mm-hmm. And I think we assumed, well, maybe she just helped them because they have Omega. But now I tend to wonder if there's something more like, you know, was she the one that somehow created Clone Force 99 or had a part in that process? Um, I don't know, but it, it does make me wonder the way that they sort of um, played out the scene. Yeah, I, I I would agree. I mean, Clone Force ninety nine in general, they are. Uh, I don't <laughs> I don't want to reduce them to just their efficiency and their, you know. But yeah. but they but they have skills and talents that the other clones don't have, which makes them just. Uh, and and I don't know if the the if you know Nalase is is looking at them as just as as kind of. Uh, valuable property right right i i don't i don't think so you know but but they are they are more valuable you know and especially Mm -hmm. as a as a team they are they're way more efficient Mm -hmm. and and able to to do things that that just their the normal clones can't uh but there's still obviously something unique about omega and i mean Omega is still super young. So, I mean, even though it, what what they want her for is uh, some something with her genetic makeup or something, not her skills or abilities per se, because True. she isn't quite developed those yet. We'll see. But yeah, I, I also wasn't surprised by the reveal. That was kind of one of the, the more prominent theories out there that the mm-hmm. that uh, Lama Su was was the one who was was doing that. And I mean, it. At least financially, it makes sense. I mean, they would have been getting paid quite a bit for the clones, so they would have had the money to to purchase the the uh, the bounties 
that or the bounty hunters uh, that they that they ended up choosing, like Fennec and, and Cad Bane. So Crosshair then does arrive on the scene and he is he knows that that uh, the Clone Force 99 is on the Republic cruiser. And uh, as we were going through this scene, all I could think of was he is just he's going to use the Clone Force 99's tactics against them. So like oh, yeah. none none of the twists that happened at all <laughs> surprised me. So like just right off the bat when when Clone Force 99 is is jamming the signal, it's like Crosshair's going to know that. Mm-hmm. And because he was part of the team, this is exactly how they would have thought. Right. And then of course he he leads them into an ambush by knowing that they're going to tap the comms and then leading mm-hmm. them to go where he wants them to go and misdirection and yeah, nothing. But I guess it surprised me that I guess like Hunter didn't think about that or didn't expect Crosshair to to know that <laughs> he would be he would use their own their own tactics against them. Right. I mean, we did see that in the Clone Wars that whenever Rex knew that his intelligence or whatever was being used. Um, that he would he would try to be unpredictable as well and kind of go another way completely and be more creative. Um, so that that part did um it did surprise me a little bit as well. I I figured Hunter should be in that kind of line of thought. Um, but at the same time, I think Hunter at this point is just very focused on survival he has a lot on his mind you know when you think about him as the leader of Mm -hmm. the crew he's got you know taking care of omega making sure the bounty hunters or nobody else you know gets their hands on her they want to make sure that they get fed you know that they pay off their debt they want to make sure that you know everybody is safe they want to make sure that you know they want to try to get crosshair back um somehow and figure out how to do that um there's a lot that's going on in his mind. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it was, it was actually, I mean, we needed to see this, right? We needed to see that Crosshair was going to use their own mm-hmm. strategy against them. But it was, it was kind of sad, you know, to, to yeah. watch it play out. So what you're saying is that Hunter is the dad is worried about the mortgage <laughs> and worried about feeding his yes. kids and and all <laughs> yeah. yes well but and 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 rightly so i i think especially with omega he he feels that you know he needs to protect her in a way that he doesn't have to protect the other mm-hmm. members of the squad right because they can fend for themselves right basically. right and and so that that in general that kind of a, a worry or a uh you know responsibility you know could could definitely lead him to kind of miss some of those those things that are that are happening around him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we finally get the, the reunion, which the episode is named at. Um, they, they encounter crosshair and it's, <laughs> there's not a whole lot of, of dialogue that happens. So there's not a, there, it's not a, it's not a happy family reunion by any means. Crosshair uh, calls them traitors and that's why he has to, he has to take them out. And Hunter and Omega try to tell him to to wake up and to recognize that he's just being controlled by the inhibitor chip. And I'm wondering if that will pay off maybe later down the road. 
Uh, but of course, in the moment, Crosshair completely ignores that and then just, you know, continues to try to take them out. I guess yeah, I'm wondering I mean, if like, you know, would reason and and that kind of a, a dialogue work on a clone who is acting out of an inhibitor chip? Like, could your reason counteract the inhibitor chip? Right. Yeah, it it almost seems like um so in clone wars at the end of clone wars we kind of saw how rex was trying mm-hmm. to fool all of the rags right <laughs> um with their inhibitor chips active um by basically doing what he thought they wanted him to do but the thing is that uh crosshair's inhibitor chip was like turned up yeah. Way more than the normal level, right? Somehow, however they do that, the severity or the strength of it. And so um he's very much set on on his mission, plus the fact that Crosshair already was, you know, straight on target kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Like, get it done. And so his mission is get rid of these people, right? And he's just ready to do it. And that makes him even more dangerous. Um, so even more difficult to, I think, talk him out of it, you know, as much as I would love for that to happen, I do wonder if that would even happen without something happening to his inhibitor chip. Maybe it's susceptible to heat. Possibly. I mean, <laughs> I don't think it so. It seemed like but... when half his face was incinerated <laughs> right. that he was still pretty much set on right, killing right, them. So right. I don't know. It is it is an interesting question that that is raised though is is how how they will attempt to save Crosshair or if yeah. they are going to be able to save Crosshair. Mm-hmm. I I tend to think a show like this and being Star Wars in general, I think I think there is is every reason to hope that Crosshair will be saved. You know, right? But, but Star Wars also has a tragic uh, element right. to it. Yep. Yep. Um. Yeah. So I. It could go either way. And I, I, yeah, but even that raises the stakes here because it's, it's not a, it's not a guaranteed, you know, he's going to come out smiling at the end of this and everything's going to be a okay there. Yeah. There, there's the total possibility that he, he may not make it and they might have to put him down, so to speak. Or so. something else will, yep. you know, who knows? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So the the reunion um goes very poorly and of course uh Echo and Tech are immediately trying to to plot their way out and so they activate uh the cannons because they're on the artillery deck and the cannons activate which since the ship is broken up it causes absolute chaos and the whole deck starts to to break apart and and fall which allows them to to escape for for the moment. And that's where they then go into the ion engine chamber to try to escape uh the the Republic cruiser ship. By the way, Omega's archery skills are improving. Yeah. We saw her actually succeed. Yeah. So, that's kind of neat. We're seeing development of her abilities. That's why they moved on to uh dismantling thermal detonators. Mm-hmm. She must have been able to hit, you know, the target 12 out of 12 times now instead of just three out of 12. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> that is a really cool uh, weapon, though. The I, I don't I even know what it. it's called, but like a pulse bow or a light bow or whatever yeah. you want to call that. I 
I've always had a, a, a liking of, of bow and arrows. So to, to kind of see that in, in Star Wars is, is pretty cool. Yeah. And also I was thinking about her name being Omega mm-hmm. is kind of like the shape of an Omega letter is oh, almost like a bow yeah. in a way. Yeah. So I, I bet that's more coincidental than intentional, but probably that's, that, so. <laughs> I just thought that was neat in my head. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so they, they do, uh, get into the, to the ion engine and, uh, Crosshair of course is, is able to, to know exactly that that's where they're going to try to escape from. And so Crosshair sends his troopers up to the bridge to start up the, the, the main power and to start the ion engine itself, which would incinerate Clone Force 99 in that engine compartment. And uh that's that's then where we have that that moment with omega you know where she's mm-hmm. she's questioning whether crosshair would actually actually do that and you know that really underlines her her innocence you mm-hmm. know and her she really really knows that crosshair um she believes in him still mm-hmm. after all this time even after she literally saw crosshair give the order to like yep. aim at her Yep. to kill her yep. just in the scene prior and she's still like no he wouldn't he wouldn't incinerate us would he like it's so interesting to see her wrestle with that you mm-hmm. know with the reality of the situation it's kind of like in that episode or that scene on the bridge where she's with tech and she's asking him like what was the war like you know because she's She's kind of like she's been with them for all this time and she's she it's her first experience with soldiers like in battle, you know, and in these new experiences and they talk about what things were like, you know, in their glory days. And so it's almost like she's trying to understand, like, is war good? Is war bad? Is war cool? Is war not cool? You know, Mm -hmm. like, what is this thing? And so... I just, in my mind, I'm, I'm looking at her, you know, trying to kind of like figure all of this out, you know, she's asking these questions and they mean something, you know, they really mean more than what they let on very much like when kids are asking those questions, you know, it's, they're really trying to understand deeper things than they even can, you know, really calculate can really understand and grasp mm-hmm. she could very well be acting as sort of a a mirror for the the for the squad you know as mm-hmm. as they've this is what they've done this is who they are and 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 i mean on a human level you know maybe uh war would make them jaded and and forget the 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 deeper realities of what what's you know what's right and what's wrong and omega's the the innocent one who's asking those questions, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and pointing out, you know, well, what, what was the war like and, and getting at the heart of like, you know, you know, is, is war good or is war bad? Or, you know, it's not, I mean, tech's tech's response was very tech. It's, you know, just, just a bunch of, you know, missions and procedures and, and you go on from one to the next, but, but at the core, you know, what is it? I mean, mm-hmm. I, and I think she also tends to be the the perspective that that we as the audience are sort of seeing this too, because she's she's able to kind of point out those things to us as well. 
And one of the things that that she points out, which is just a it's a Star Wars theme, but it's just a, a human theme, too, is that, you know, no matter how bad someone is, that we are made in the image and likeness of God. So, I mean, so there's always hope for redemption and there's always, you know, an aspect of us that is that is good because we were made. Uh, we were made good by God, even if we've chosen to to live a life contrary to that. But there's always hope for redemption. So even as she is looking at crosshair and and sort of mm-hmm. always knowing that there's still that that good in him, uh, you know, I think that's that's helpful for us because it's easy to just put the villain label on crosshair and mm-hmm. then just kind of leave it at that and sort of forget that that there's a hope for redemption. There's there's good in him, and of course. You know, we see this elsewhere too, and of course, Darth Vader would be the the primary one where Luke is able to do that um, in Episode Six and and find right. find the good in him and bring him back. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So lot, lots of lots of good stuff there. Crosshair, though, in his inhibitor chip state, is going to have his troopers light the ion engine and incinerate Clone Force ninety nine, and uh, they Clone Force ninety nine has the the dangerous, but the only idea that they can come up with is use the explosive that explosives that they've scavenged to to blow apart the the engine so that they would um, break free of it and um, fall into the into the wreckage. But it would it would uh, it wouldn't it would prevent them from dying, um, essentially. And so that's exactly what they do. They're able to to blow apart that that engine. And as uh, the engine lights and ignites, um, that's where it it does hit uh, Crosshair. Um, yeah, he kind of uh, gets a taste of his own medicine <laughs> in a way. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I guess it was unclear. Uh, I mean, the extent of the damage. You know, at, mm-hmm. at the at the end of the episode, he's sort of wrapped in bandages, but. You know, I'm I'm wondering is this is this going to be like is his face going to be disfigured like like wreckers you know to some mm-hmm. degree or 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 what's going on, um and whether or not that's yeah has that made an impact on him at all or is he just going to be even more gung ho to to track down Clone Force ninety nine and and take him out yeah so uh but the episode is is. Still, uh, you know, uh, coming to the to the climax here, they Clone Force ninety nine is split. Hunter and Omega are together, and then um, Tech Wrecker and and um, Echo are are separated from them. And Hunter and Omega are able to get to the Marauder, their their ship, and all the troopers that were sent from Crosshair have been taken out, which is uh, very eerie and unexpected. And of course, the reason for that is camera pans up and we see Cad Bane on the scene. And Angela shouts <laughs> on the couch and, and we hear the awesome Kevin Kiner music with down to the rattlesnake sound, right? <laughs> Just very old West, good, bad and ugly. Mm-hmm. I mean, even his look is that way. He's got the hat. Yeah. I mean, he's got the he's got the look. Um. Yeah, this was for me it was it was unexpected. I I sort of I should have expected it after hearing that Lamasu was going to continue to 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 pursue this. And um and 
Um, I guess I'm going to throw it to you, Angela, because Cad Bane is a character that I know, but it's not a character that I know well. So, you know, uh, give us give us a little bit of a background on on why he's such a uh, or why he was why he's such a prominent bounty hunter, I guess, and, and was used here. Yeah, well, yeah, you make a good point that um, we could have predicted this, right? Mm-hmm. If if um, Lamasu was going to hire somebody at this time in what we know of Star Wars timeline, um, that Cad Bane would have been your guy. He would have been the guy because Cad Bane essentially um, was, number one, he was the apprentice of Jango Fett, um, and when Django died on Geonosis, then Cad Bane was the lead bounty hunter, essentially um, the, you know, big ticket bounty hunter in the galaxy. And Cad ended up um, through Clone Wars and through comics, we see that he ended up working for Darth Sidious. He worked for Darth Maul. He worked for... Uh, Darth Tyrannus and Dooku. Okay. Um, he did some jobs uh, for the Huts as well. Um, so one of the things that I don't I don't know if a lot of people know about this, the background of Cad Bane actually comes from George Lucas. Um, so we all know that George loved the Old West, and we see the Old West so much in Star Wars. And, you know, one of the iconic Western movies is The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Well, Cad Bane, actually, according to um, according to Dave Filoni, when Dave was doing some research in the old scripts, the original scripts for the original trilogy of Star Wars, he found that Cad Bane's character was written in the original trilogy. Um, based off of, inspired by Angel Eyes, who is the bad character in The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. And so this, you know, gunslinger with this big hat, and um, he, you know, obviously didn't show up in the original trilogy, but he was able, George was able to bring him in into the Clone Wars. And so um, one of the cool things that um, we learn in a couple of Star Wars celebrations 2015, I think, and 2017 was that, so we know that at one point Clone Wars was canceled, right? And there were some unfinished story arcs with Cad Bane and Boba Fett Mm. uh, to kind of show their relationship with each other. Because Cad Bane, at some point, we don't really get it fleshed out, but at some point Cad Bane ends up becoming the apprentice of Boba as kind of a favor for Boba and, you know, Django Fett. And um, so in the end of this arc, basically, we we were we would have learned it was going to be a four uh, episode arc that Cad and Boba go out to um, Tatooine and they try to rescue this child from the Tusken Raiders. And um, then in 2017 Star Wars Celebration, we learned that Cad and Boba end up having this gunsling, basically this, this shootout where Cad actually gives Boba his dent on mm. his helmet. 
So that's where the the characteristic dent on the helmet comes from. And, but we never found out um, in that unfinished, basically animation, what happened to Cad Bane. So it was really cool to be able to watch this particular scene because it reminded me so much of that um, never before released um, until 2017 shootout between Cad and Boba. I mean, it was almost like shot for shot from my memory. And so to be able to see that in a new context mm-hmm. between him and Hunter, um, it made me think about the idea that Boba is still out there, that this is Boba's sister, <laughs> yep. that, you know, are we going to see Boba in um, Bad Batch? Because, I mean, is <laughs> is Boba going to try to go after, like, how many bounty hunters did Lama Sue hire yep. to try to ensure that they get Omega back, mm-hmm. right? Like, we know Fennec is out there, yep. but Fennec is pretty new right at this point in her career. So they're like, let's just put Cad Bane on it. And then are they like, let's put Boba on it too? I mean, you know, with, he's probably with Oris thing or, you know, what's going on there. So all of those, you know, crazy theories, I think are probably out there in the, in the star Wars fan world and discussions and everything. But that is really exciting to me because even if we don't see Boba now, it would make a lot of sense that we see, Boba and Cad and possibly Omega down the line, mm-hmm. right? Exactly what you said at the beginning of our podcast. So um, it all kind of ties together, right? And um, so connected. Cad is really a pivotal character yep. for all of this, but then also for the end of the um, for the end of the I guess the Republic because. Uh, Cad was, he was one of the number one bounty hunters because he knew how to, uh, fight the Jedi. Mm, He was really good at fighting the Jedi. He had all the tricks, the tools that he needed. He had the rocket boots to kind of fly with the Jedi. Um, he had the rope to, um, kind of, you know, uh, tie them up and he had, um, all kinds of his, even his breathing tubes. Um, so his breathing tubes are not giving him any oxygen, like into his face. It's actually directly to his lungs, hmm. uh, because he worked with so many Sith Lords in case they wanted to force choke him, <laughs> they would just go straight to his, the oxygen would just go straight to his lungs. So he's like really prepared. Wow. Yeah. And, um, and he actually ends up, supplying the plans to the guy that wants to bomb the Jedi temple. And so he's kind of like, he's, he's all involved in all these things. Wow. There's more to him than I, than I ever realized. (laughs) That's why I like him so much. He's so cool. (laughs) Um, yeah, well, and, and I, I'm pretty sure maybe Tamara Morrison had mentioned, I don't know if this is officially confirmed or not, but the book of Boba Fett was going to go back in time as well and tell stories Mm. of Boba. So this could be in this realm wow. of, of storytelling. I don't know yeah. how far back they're going to go, but uh, it sounded like at least like to see what he was going to be doing around the Empire Strikes Back. But maybe they'll maybe they'll go back a little bit more. 
So yeah, it would be really neat even to just see a cut scene, you know, um, of Boba remembering when he mm-hmm. was being apprenticed yep. by Cad Bane. That would be yep. awesome. Yep. So uh, would I be correct in assuming that you were not surprised that Cad Bane won the shootout with Hunter? No, I wasn't. I was devastated to see Hunter with, you know, that chest plate. Yep. Um, uh, but at the same time, uh, he, you know, the fastest gunslinger in the galaxy in a way is Cad Bane. <laughs> I mean, he's won so many fights against the Jedi, you know, yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi being his number one adversary. So yeah, I wasn't surprised at all. Okay. Cause I was, I was the, I didn't, I don't, I didn't know enough about Cad Bane and I, it shocked me when, mm. when Hunter got hit cause it's Hunter and yeah. you know, they're, <laughs> I think just, just the imp the emotional impact yep. of seeing Hunter on the ground like that, yep. that's still Drop my jaw. Yep. I was still. Yep. Oh. Um, the other really cool cinematography thing that they did there was um, when Hunter awakes, they, the, the whole scene is filmed as if like it's in Hunter's perspective through his, through his visor, which added a, an urgency to the whole situation. And, and just you were Hunter, not just watching Hunter. And I really liked that. Oh my gosh, it was amazing emotionally yeah. to do that. I don't know whose idea that was, but I want to give him a big high five yeah. <laughs> over the podcast airwaves. Um because yeah, you're you're exactly right. That's what it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um and of course that's that's basically where then the episode ends, you know, Hunter is adamant that they have to go find her. Um Omega and of course Crosshair is <laughs> bandaged up and on on the hunt to find Clone Force ninety nine. So there's there's a couple a couple uh, chases going on at the same time, and that was an effective cliffhanger. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, it was. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I like I said, I, I think that that we're just gonna ramp up from here on out. So I I expect I expect next week to be very fast paced. Yeah, I mean, where are we gonna be next week? Are we gonna be Somewhere in space with, you know, immediately after this episode with them trying to figure out where to go, what to do, um, you know, how are they going to get their information? Are they going right. to go back to Camino to try to get information? But they um, also don't even, they don't even have a context to think that the Kaminoans would be the ones doing, right. sending the bounty. I, yeah. I, I bet they would have to go back to Sid who might connect them mm. to, I don't know, some sort of information. Right. But yeah, they, I mean, cause, cause Cad Bane didn't say who, who he, or who hired him and mm-hmm. neither did Fennec and. They could go back to Rex and mm-hmm. see if Rex knows anything too. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course, I mean, they, they are being chased by Crosshair. So it's not like <laughs> they can't just dilly daddle and, and not, not keep moving. Uh, right. So yeah, uh, there's, there's, there's a lot a lot of potential and where this will go. And I don't even have a, have a, have a guess on where it's going to go. That's the best part of it. There's yeah. so many possible options. <laughs> That's yeah. good storytelling though, because then, I mean, <laughs> it keeps you guessing. It's not, it's not, it shouldn't be super predictable. Mm-hmm. So we, we yeah, want I mean, to be when surprised. They walked into that, 
into that engine, I was like, okay, that engine's going to turn on somehow. (laughs) That was kind of predictable, right? (laughs) But but now when it comes to, okay, where's the story going to go from here in the big picture? Yeah. Right. I really don't know. And I'm excited to find out. And that's what's so awesome about these kind of stories is even though like we have the the movies and we know like, okay, where the galaxy is going to go in the next 30 years, we don't know where the Bad Batch is going to go in the next 30 yeah. years. And that that's what makes the story exciting because we want to know what's going to happen to them just as much as, as anybody else. And we have no way of of knowing by any of the other content that's out there what will happen. Right. Cool. Um, Any other thoughts that you might have on this episode no my mind is spinning now that we've been talking about all the possibilities <laughs> i'm very excited i i'm hoping and you know i'm just hoping that omega will make it um through the en- end of the series that mm-hmm. she'll be alive at the end of this series because i'm really hoping that we get to see a grown-up version of omega down the line um and then maybe you know maybe they won't even answer our questions about omega at the by the end of the season maybe we'll still have questions about her and then they will answer them in another context Mm -hmm. but yeah as we've been talking i think it i think it's likely that she might make an appearance in the book of boba fett It, it would that would be a natural progression Mm-hmm. Throw Cad Bane in there, throw Omega. There's a Boba Fett connection. So that that has me excited. I Omega Omega has definitely grown on me as a character and I and I really I really am enjoying kind of her growth and, and journey. Yeah. And then yeah, I mean add add 30 years to her life, and that would put you roughly in the time of Bo- the book of Boba Fett. So we'll see. Okay. Um, well, I think then that concludes our discussion on this episode of The Bad Batch. And, and listeners, of course, we want to hear what you thought of, of this episode and what your take on all of our questions and what's coming next. And uh, we'd like to hear what you think. So you can let us know various ways. You can comment on our Facebook and Twitter page. And you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Media and on Twitter at SQPN. And you can email us any feedback at starwars at sqpn.com. And we would like to take a moment, um, as always, to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Wars, including Charles G., Daniel R., Stephen G., Lisa V., and Victor L. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Wars and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Also, of course, make sure that you're subscribed to the show. If you are not already, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, your favorite podcast player, or you can find us on the SQPN YouTube channel. Just make sure to hit that bell to get notifications of new episodes. And you can find all of our previous episodes by going to sqpn.com slash Star Wars. And we will be back next week as we will see where the story goes and take a deeper look at episode nine of The Bad Batch. So until next time, Angela Cialana, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Wars. My pleasure. And once again, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. <laughs>